two major trades over the weekend. And yet, Ron Hextall still has too many defensemen and too much money tied up in the defensemen. No, he's not done. Of course he's not done. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. John Marino was traded to the Devils for Ty Smith and a draft pick. Basically just freed up his money. Mike Matheson was traded to Montreal for Jeff Petrie. And those of you who are regular listeners and or readers will know that I reported a week earlier from Montreal that the Penguins and Canadians had been deep into talks regarding the acquisition of Petrie. It did go through. But every single name I just mentioned there going out and coming in for defensemen, and that's where this team is right now. It's right at the cap. And even if one accounts for the fact that uh, Smith can be sent to the minors, well, really anybody can be sent to the minors, though they'd have to clear waivers, et cetera, et cetera, you're still looking at almost double digits on that particular depth chart, while in the same breath, you can't identify who will play on the third forward line. So the bulk of the reaction, per the best of my ability to gauge, has been, what's wrong with Hextall? He has no idea what he's doing. Doesn't he understand that? Of course he does. Of course he does. And when he says that he likes his forward group or that he likes his current defense group, rewind the tape and hear that he said the same thing six days earlier, and he said the same thing in Montreal. Not that he's lying. That's a routine thing for a general manager to say. Yeah, we like the group that we have. Of course he likes the group he has at any given time. What else is he going to say? We can't stand these guys. I can't wait to ship them out of here. As I see it, Hextall's got not one, but two defensemen to still move. Now, I could be wrong in projecting that, but it's definitely one. And in turn, it's definitely going to be one who costs something. So we're looking at either Brian Dumoulin, who'll be entering the final year of his contract, or Marcus Pedersen, who won't. But they're both between the 3 and $4 million range. And that frees up enough space for Hextall to do what really now needs to be done, and that's to build a competitive, no, 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 a contending Bottom six, which shouldn't cost all that much, but it's still not easy, and it definitely isn't free. Here, by the way, is what Hextall had to say Saturday after making those two trades regarding what comes next. Obviously, we'll look at everything that comes along uh, as we go, and if we can strengthen one area, uh, we'll certainly look at it. But I think... um, Part of our biggest issue was our, our cap situation. It's, it's, it's a little closer to, to um, being compliant now, so certainly feel a little bit better about it than I did the other day. Um, but we, I mean, we like our nine defensemen, so we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes. And uh, at some point here, if there's a move to be made, I mean, you got to look at everything, no matter what position.
Yeah, right? Again, what's he going to say? I'm going to move more guys. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. As for the moves that were made, and as for the team and the defense in particular that's currently in place, it's still hard to evaluate overall what it'll look like because, I'm going to say this again, he's not done. And I don't think he's done back there either, meaning someone else has to go. But I'm not going to lie here. The first thought I had after the second of those trades Saturday was, wow, there go the two guys who really blew game seven. Now, look, nobody anywhere makes trades based on the outcome or performance of a single game. Sidney Crosby's had terrible games in the National Hockey League. You know, you don't move him over that. But instead, I thought it more in the sense of a recurring problem, a more general problem that the Penguins had on the back end. They weren't very good when it came to clearing their crease. That's something that Hextall, Mike Sullivan, Brian Burke all talked about after Game 7. They made very clear they were going to try to address it. They not only addressed it with these acquisitions as well as signing Jan Ruta, they also made this their emphasis, coincidentally or otherwise, in the recent NHL draft, even though those players aren't going to be around for years. And they also wanted to make sure that they were getting consistent offense from the back end. Now, Ruta's not going to be a guy that's going to contribute a ton to that Ty Smith, if he gets straightened out, has first-round pedigree. And with the Devils, he showed that he was very comfortable in the offensive zone, but he's got Todd Reardon written all over him. Reardon is the guy who worked with Matheson, who worked with Latang, who worked with John Carlson in Washington and found ways for them to anchor themselves in the back, to build a foundation from the back that moves forward. So... I wouldn't rule out Smith becoming someone who contributes to the Penguins. And then there's Petrie. And as I told everyone from Montreal, this dude's a player. Okay? Don't be put off by the age. Don't be put off by the price tag. Those are both someone else's headaches, especially the latter. This guy brings it at both ends. He was a major reason. The Canadians stunningly made it to the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. And in the first half of that regular season, he was being touted, not just in Quebec, but across the hockey world as a legit Norris Trophy candidate. Now, things didn't go great for him after that. And people up there will tell you that that had a lot to do with the awful head coach, Dominic Ducharme, that they had. Uh, eventually get replaced by Marty St. Louis. And what do you know? Marty comes in, takes over behind the bench, and Petrie starts scoring again. He's good. And when you see him playing in black and gold, you're not going to be fretting over his age or his cap hit. You're just not. But, but, 
this still has a long way to go and not a lot of flexibility. Hextel's got to move another defenseman. I wouldn't mind moving two if that's what it takes to shore up the bottom six on this roster because right now it's just not all that exciting, you know? And not that the Penguins have an obligation to have that group be entertaining or something, but it's got to be functional. It's got to be something that contributes. Teddy Bluger needs, clearly, line mates who function along with him. He did that with Zach Gaston-Reese and Brandon Tanev at times with Brock McGinn, but something's got to be put together there. There has to be impact. Jeff Carter's got to find some kind of second or third wind to his career. Drew O'Connor, Radim Zahorna, uh, anybody else in that Wilkes-Barre mix, I'm all aboard the Valtteri Pustinen train. But you got to find out who these guys are. And if you aren't sure about it, you need to reallocate. You need to continue reallocating from the back to the front. When we come back, J1Q. Sullivan slash Hextall slash Burke so sour on Zahorna and O'Connor. Is there really no there there? Well, Jeff, you're making a presumption there that they're sour on them. I haven't seen that. I haven't heard that. and I'm not sure what you're basing it on other than, you know, participation. But when it comes to participation in games, this coach's great failing, although he won't readily acknowledge this is that he coaches every game as if it's game seven. Now, more often than not, that's going to be a big hit with the fans. No one likes when they watch any game, when they think that that isn't the best possible lineup to win. But Sullivan's got to get over it. And I think that there's a part of him that's now conceding that based on some remarks that he made up in Montreal related to young players, and he included both Zahorna and O'Connor. But both of them, even though they're different paths, have a way that they can get through to Sullivan. I'll start with Zahorna, who has exceptional defensive metrics, and you don't really even think of him that way. Why? Maybe it's because when he came up, remember originally a couple of years ago, he scored a couple of goals and he thought, wow, this is going to be the next big scoring center. He's got the size, he's got the shot, and he's got the skill to contribute offensively. But he's got an inherent ability to defend. And unless I'm mistaken, I believe he's only been on the ice for one even strength goal against in all of his time in the NHL. Um, I mean, you can say what you want about the sample size, but that doesn't happen by accident. That means you're doing something right. So I think if Zahorn is going to find his way into Sullivan's good graces, it's going to be more uh, from a Brian Boyle standpoint, you know, Big size, you know, be good on draws, kill some penalties, pitch in at the other end where you can. 
that that'll work for him. That'll work for him a lot more than trying to pile up points in a bottom six role. O'Connor's different. And I, I actually kind of cringed a little bit when you mentioned O'Connor in there because Sullivan loves this kid. Uh, and it's not an act. Why did he play him? Well, he had a strange year with the collapsed lung and everything else and having to go back to the AHL for a good while. Then you'll recall the Penguins had the salary cap issue where they couldn't even call guys up or there was a finite number of contracts they were allowed to take on. They'd really backed themselves into a cap corner. So you couldn't see O'Connor until playoffs. And by that point, you know you already know who your 12 guys are and you're going to be just throwing him out there, which they eventually did anyway. But don't, don't for a second think that Sullivan doesn't like O'Connor. He really does. O'Connor, his way into Sully's heart is going to be by scoring. When you see that size, that speed, that confidence in carrying the puck through the neutral zone, which is a little uncommon for someone of his stature, and then graft onto all that a willingness, an eagerness to shoot the puck, not something that this organization is known for having up front, that's that's a player who has a really good chance, I think, to have an impact. But those guys are going to have to do that, I am telling you, starting in the second week of September. They can't show up even a little bit behind whatever management's expectations are for them. But no, no, don't write them off, my man. Be very sure that the Penguins aren't. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Thank you.